Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Who to be a referee? Get him off, get him off. What a whistle and a little dried up pee. It's no protection for the things they throw. Toilet rolls and bottles every time I blow. Ahoy hoy and welcome to episode 112 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Jay Duke. And we're recording this podcast from Thunderbird Stadium, right in the middle of the Whitecaps dominating RSL monarchs, the real monarchs, none of these artificial monarchs. It's 2-0 at the moment, we're into the second half and we thought, nah, nothing else to do, let's record a podcast. You've just jinxed it now too, you've just jinxed it. So, before we start talking about the big dumbo in the room of the referee in last night's game, let's just do a very, very quick analysis of how we thought the game played out. I think the general feeling is it was a bit harsh that the Whitecaps lost, but did they deserve a draw, or did they deserve to come away from that with three points? I'm thinking probably draw. They, they had some chances. I think Colorado had chances. Both goalkeepers had their turns making big saves. Uh, but overall, it, they really didn't provide much. It was it was a few chances here and there, but it wasn't the dominating performance you expect to see against a Colorado Rapids team. Yeah, you know, I think that's the recipe for, for what the Whitecaps want to do on the road. And, you know, if you're really honest, that's that's as good or or better than they played in their, the wins that they've had on the road already. And that's going to be the, the focus going forward is that they're going to want to just try and get those three or four chances and be really strong defensively, which they were. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it isn't pretty, but that's how they, they want to win on the road. And I think it was a decent approach, especially being tired and, and uh, having the, those three games in a week. So they were hard done by and, and probably if it wasn't for the ref would have had a win, not a, not a loss. And clearly, once again, in, in the Whitecaps history, the weather played a big major factor whether it was delays, showers, wet pitches, and it was just a miserable night overall. Yeah, Christian Teixeira must be wondering what he's come to. He's been snowstorms, thunderstorms. He must be like, what the hell happens in North America? I don't understand this. Wait till the earthquakes happen. Oh, I think we play them later in the season. That's though. right, I forgot about that. We have to look at the, the, the talking point of the referee. I hate making referees talking points in matches, especially because the way that the White Cats have been playing, it kind of covers up some of the other issues that people aren't maybe talking about how poorly certain aspects of the team are playing, how poorly certain players are playing, and all the focus is on the referee. So let's get that out of the way first. We'll, we'll, we'll start with the, the disallowed goal. Pedro Morales' free kick, beautiful free kick, what we've been wanting him to do for weeks and weeks now. Yeah. Finally does it, top corner, 
and it's called off Phantom Call. Even the Colorado Rapids commentary team, when you watch that back, had no idea what the foul was given for. Yeah, there were, uh, if you look at Twitter all over the place, it was like uh, people who normally troll the Whitecaps were asking what, what call that was. There was a slight lean on by Cobb, but who doesn't do that in a, in a battle in, along the wall? Uh, it definitely wasn't worth uh, calling off a goal. The Whitecaps weren't good enough, but but the reality is is that it, these games are tight, especially away. It, it's a league of parity. You hear that all the time, and, and games are going to be tight, even against the worst teams in the West. So it's tough when you not only have to, to fight the, the elements and the travel and, and the home fans and then the, then the 11 other players on the pitch, but also go against a referee who's just clueless and hasn't, still hasn't figured out what, what to foul in the game. We have to talk about Colorado's goal oh, okay. and the foul on Gershon Kofi and the build-up to that. Oh, it was a right. clear foul, not given, and then a beautiful finish. And you can't fault the way that they played. I mean, Real Salt Lake played to the whistle. The Whitecaps were kind of appealing for a free kick. Beautiful volleyed finish that they gave Ousted, no chance. But it should just never have counted. It should have been called back. It should have been a free kick for the Whitecaps. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it was mentioned on the broadcast as well, uh, on the local broadcast, is that uh, Kofi's not the type of guy who will, will go down and writhe around in pain just to, to try and sell a call. Uh, it, 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 was, it was an obvious foul. And, and in a game where uh, the, the, the official was calling these little slight tugs and then the brush by Kaw that, that, that negated the goal was such a slight touch. And it's like, yeah. how, how is this absolute, just runs right through Kofi and that one's not a foul? It, it's, it's super frustrating as a fan. And it, it's not even about the, whether or not he made a mistake. I, I'm not accusing the guy of, it, it, clearly he has some, some sort of integrity issues if he's being charged with with fraud but I'm not saying that the, the the match was fixed or anything it's clearly just an ineptitude thing but the, but the problem is if you're the league and if you're pro refs it's it's the appearance it's the optics of the whole thing you've got a guy who's who's been charged with with defrauding uh, on insurance claims and now he's making these boneheaded decisions it, it just opens yourself up it's not a thing that you need when the league is looking to solidify its officiating and you're talking about the optics and everything you can look at the highlight package. MLS does not include the, the in the build-up, they don't include the Kofi uh, foul, or the, when Kofi got fouled. And they don't include the Morales uh, non-goal at all in the highlight. So you talk about optics, it's not showing up there either. No, but they did run my article, which was Robo pretty critical of the referee afterwards and, and alluded to it in the headline and everything. So it's not that they're, they're covering it up in that regard. There's no video evidence. It's all hearsay. I'm pretty sure it's going to be an instant replay. Yeah. I'm sure Simon Borg will have a field day over this. The thing is, in leagues all over the world, fans, pundits, everyone, players, managers, they're critical of referees. And it's a tough job. I wouldn't want to be a referee. It's not like in days of old where a referee made a decision. But now it's like you've got players around them for the slightest thing. You've got TV people analysing angle after angle after angle. Everything that does is heavily scrutinised. It, it makes you want to know who, who would actually want to be a referee. That said, because they are under such analysis and such scrutiny, MLS need to get the top officials that they can. They've got the pro thing, 
and it's just it's not working week after week not just in the Whitecaps games but in games across the league the big talking point is mistakes that referees are making you're never going to stamp out referee making mistakes it's human nature to make mistakes but when it's so many and it's so many game changing and game costing decisions it just can't go on something has to get done about it it's a consistency thing. It, it, like, I'm okay. If you, if you want to call it super strict and every little touch or tug is a foul, fine. If you want to let guys clatter into each other and, and not call anything, fine. But, but call it one way or the other so that at least the players and the fans and everybody can get used to it so they know, hey, that, the same thing happened the other way. and, it went, and went, That way at least, at least it's an even playing field for the, for the teams. And so now you, you've got a situation where nobody knows what a foul is. They don't in game. Never mind between game to game between, between officials. So it's always going to be a struggle for for people. And you're you're right. The they've had a couple years at this now, and pro just still seems to not be getting it right. And even on some of their their reviews, it's like the 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 whole thing where it has to be um, unanimous to be decisions to be overturned. And there's some weird decisions that have been appealed and they haven't been uh, overturned because somebody wants to side with, with the ref or whatever. It, it's just it's not working right now. Robo's comments after the game, now obviously he has to watch what he says because he gets fined but I think it was a case last night that he didn't care because both on the radio and in the media scrum he had to go at the ref and one of the things he said was the fact that the White Cats committed a certain number of fouls and got more bookings than Colorado, who didn't commit as many, who committed more fouls but but get, got less bookings. Yeah, and it's and it's weird because like I I do think the Whitecaps have deserved a lot of the cards and and that maybe that reputation that they've gotten, but there's no way like how how does how does Alonzo or Chara or Aurelian Collin not have the same reputation? I, I don't think what the Whitecaps are doing are any different than any of the other clubs around the MLS. Or the what about the the San Jose in the last uh, when they were all the old the old Bash brothers and stuff, and they were still getting penalty calls despite having this reputation as a rough and tumble, lots of red cards, flying in elbows high. And, and I don't think the Whitecaps are like that. I think they're they're very aggressive team and they're, they they like to press which will, will cause a lot of fouls and will cause a lot of yellow cards for late tackles and stuff. And, and do I think that, yeah, and yeah, Tachera and Rivera both go down very easily, but in the game against Seattle, there, there was two calls that I would have called 50-50, 50-50 penalty calls. One, Rivera got his foot stamped, and the other one, there was kind of a trailing leg. Neither of them were, I, I think, stone-cold penalties, but but you have to say that there's been there's been a lot of that. And is he going down easily? Yeah, he's going down easily. And I and I think that's something they should cut out. But it's no different than anybody else in the league. So to have a reputation like that and to have everything swing in one direction is a little bit is a little bit crazy. Well, I think that should probably be all we talk about for referees. We could definitely have a two-hour show just talking about them and the mistakes that they've been making this year. But thing I think we can all agree, things have to change. And something else that needs to change, Whitecaps tactics, Whitecaps formation, because what they're doing just now, week after week, game after game, is just clearly, simply not working. I wish they would, I agree with you, I wish they would change up the formation. They do it once in a while. They did it against that RSL game. But I, I do think they need to do a little bit more. Like, against the game against Colorado, who has, who has struggled. Yeah, and they, they need to put on two strikers when they, when they have a chance, when you can take advantage of a team that's not maybe as... Uh, strong in the attack and they don't need that many defenders there. 
I, I see that the white caps are, are you see it here today out on on the in the USL where they're they're trying to push a club system of this four two three one. I'm all for that, but there are times where you 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 need to to change the approach. And I, I get it if you're if you're tied or if you're if you're ahead by a goal. Uh, keep pushing with a like for like substitutions are fine but when you're behind and you're pushing for a goal you're down four minutes into the game at home against Seattle and you've got nothing going in the first half you need to change something in the second half and and it's easy go, go to a three man back either a three man back or it's as easy as inverting that, that midfield yeah. and taking out one of your holders and putting on another attacker yeah. and the, the game would have been perfect for that to bring on to bring on Morales and and take one of those midfielders off, and it, I think it should have been done earlier, and then you could have had Rosales and Morales as your as two attacking midfielders, or put on Earnshaw and have him playing off the off the the shoulder of Rivero, because as you saw towards the end of the game, with just with when Waston moved up front, it, it started causing problems, and there was problems for defenders figuring out who to mark, and I I think that there, we need to be a little bit quicker and more dynamic in, in approach when it comes to deciding on, on something different because like for like substitutions and just hoping something's going to change isn't the answer more fluidity I think we need more fluidity well it's, it's the thing about if something isn't working and you try the same thing over and over and over like only a fool is going to expect a different result and what the white caps seem to do is they've got the fast guys on if they've not been breaking down the opponents, they made a substitution like last night. They bring Manny off. They put another fast guy on in Matix. It wasn't working to start with. That wasn't going to make any difference. Now, Robo's hands were tied a little bit last night and Earnshaw picked yeah. up a, a calf injury. Hurtado's got a hip injury. Which so a benefit. Yeah. So both of them had to miss out. But we've seen when the players are fit that he sticks with such rigidness to a 4-2-3-1. It does have a place, and it has a, a place in away games. It doesn't have a place then when you're chasing a game. You have to switch it up. The formation that I would like to see just in general, and it's the formation that I've always favoured, is a 3-5-2. And I do think the Whitecaps have got the players that can do that. We've got three very talented centre-backs that could play in that. We've got Harvey that can, and Sam Arikugbe that can kind of play a left-wing, left-midfield role and tear up and down that wing. So the personnel was there to do that. If he doesn't want to go 3-5-2, 4-4-2, 1 the options are there. Just for the last 10 minutes of a game. Yeah, but he, he seems so loath to, to move from that. Yeah, it's, it's a puzzle, and we'll hopefully maybe he will adjust. How about uh, some players that did impress yesterday in the game? Let's talk about some of the players. Who, who did you think did well? Gabby Torres, but uh, I'm guessing you're meaning Whitecaps. I'm thinking Whitecaps. Well, for me, David Oustead was the man of the match with the safes that he pulled off. Yeah. Rivero got the radio guys man of the match. Um, and he, he did have a good first half, but again, he was like an island out there. He was just left so isolated. Yeah, I, I agree with Oustead as well. I, I also think that despite conceding a goal, I mean, there, there is nothing that the centre-backs really could have done. They, they couldn't have expected the back the back heel flick to the to a first-time volley past Ousted. I, I thought both Waston and, and Ka did relatively well uh, but yeah, Ousted's my man of the match. I actually think uh, Rosales did relatively well as, as well and, and I think he, he could be an answer for us going forward. Uh, I, I, I wonder if, if Morales is the true number 10 that we need 
the, the guy to play in that advanced. He, he seems way more comfortable when he's got lots of space in front of him. Uh, and so I, I'm wondering if, if maybe Rosales in that, in that position, that number 10, could be an answer longer term. Uh, and to, to have him and, uh, like I said, inverting that triangle, having maybe Rosales and Morales both as, as an attacking central midfielders. Yeah, and, and the thing is, with if, if you do that kind of inverted formation, Lava really plays well when he's this sole guy by himself. Sometimes he overextends himself when he knows he's got an extra person. Might play more in the in place instead of roaming around too much. Yeah, I, I like Rosales in the number 10 role. I thought Harvey had a good game as well. Players, though, that we kind of need to look at that are just not stepping up at the moment. Darren Maddox is patchy. He has a couple of good games and then he has a big run where he's not doing well. Kakuta Mane, for me, is not starting material right now. He, he's dropped off quite a bit right now. He's just having trouble getting past his man and he just, he, he's not, he said he's practicing it hard in training to bring something different to his game, but he's just not showing it in the actual games. He just runs at the guys, getting beat far too often. Yes, against Seattle, he was double teamed a lot and taken out of the game. He knows when that happens that he has to, to play neat one-twos. And he said that himself, he's just not doing it. Some other players for me as well, like Stephen Betashur, still disappointing me. I'm not liking what he's doing. Pedro's patchy. And Rivero's just getting no help at all. He's needing some help from the guys. He's been left to do far too much work. So, um, you talk about those players. Uh, Kian's Froze actually got his first start, not as a sub coming off, which is usually done. His first start, what are your thoughts on his first performance as a white cap as a starter? He did okay, got into some good positions, a bit disappointed as well. The chance he had in the second half, you have to get that on target. Yeah. You can't pull a shot like that wide. I know he's young, but that's no excuse. He's playing. It's like you have to expect these guys to at least hit the target. And uh, he obviously got on the, on a, uh, irked a little bit, the goalkeepers a little bit, got in a... Clint Irwin's face a little got him riled up. That was another one that was a, a, an absolute. If you watch the the real slow mo, Irwin actually sticks his hand out to try and, and it, it looks like uh, Keon's is pulling out of the tackle. He's like going in in case there's a rebound. He's getting close, and then Irwin has one hand, his like left hand on the ball, and he stretches out his right hand to try and clip his ankle. And then he rolls around and winds, and of course the ref buys it and gives yeah. him the yellow. Another. Another terrible call, but that's a play I like on Kians. I like that Kians is going in hard for, for a possible rebound. Now, one thing which surprised me after the game last night was, and I suppose there's some other folk and they didn't see it, it must just have been the folk that were chatting to me on Twitter, there was a lot of hate for Pamadou Ka, and I think he was getting blamed because of the referee's stupid call and the goal. But I, I thought the last couple of games, Ka has done really well, and I, I know folk are wanting Rodriguez in, and Rodriguez is going to get in when he's fit again, I will come to that very shortly. But for me, Carr, I thought, did, did well last night. And I, I don't really know why the hate was on for him. There's a lot of residual anger towards him. Not residual image. Not residual image, residual anger. So no, I residual image can be quite angry. He can be. But uh, I, think, I think this was just a matter of um, just, you know, getting over it and, and people still holding on to what happened in the past. So, I mean, the, the guy that we expected to come in and take over from Carr just as soon as he's match fit again is Diego Rodriguez. And Diego played just over 60 minutes uh, in the WFC 2 game against Real Monarchs today. Looked good, looked dangerous in the box, had a chance, it just went narrowly wide, wasn't tested too much. But it's going to be good to, to see him get his chance and, and try and establish a partnership with Kendall Waston. 
Now, talking of Rodriguez, we've caught up with him after the match, so let's just hear a few thoughts from Diego now on getting back to fitness, what's like getting back on the pitch again, and what his hopes are for the rest of the season. So here's Diego Rodriguez. Um, so Diego, just wanted to ask first of all, how, how are you feeling? You've just had about 60 odd minutes out there. How are you feeling after the injury? Well, I feel very good. It was a good game. Uh, well, there is a good group and uh, the win, uh, we wanted to win. And well, it's a very, I feel very comfortable in the field and well, I'm very happy. And is it nice to get back out on the pitch again after all the injuries that you had? Yeah, yeah, uh, was tough, uh, like this moment that I passed, but now I feel very really good and really fun to play. So how difficult has it been for you watching on the sidelines? I mean, you've, you came over here, you've had a, a mixed kind of start to your MLS career. H how are you feeling watching the games and how do you think the team's played the last couple of weeks? Well, well I very enjoy the game. Uh, the MLS is a, a great league. Uh, well, it was tough for me because I was in a good moment and from the injury and then came back, I... Uh, I, uh, I make a step back, but now I feel very good. I think it's the like the turf sometimes is uh, like adapting, but uh, now I'm very healthy, very good, and ready to play. And from what you've seen from MLS so far, how have you? How do you judge the standard of the league compared to what you've been used to in Uruguay? Well, it's it's a great league. There is a great stadium, great players, and I feel very comfortable here. It's a great, uh, the club here is, is very great, uh, uh, all the fans, I feel very comfortable, it's, it's different but uh, you know in the field it's like all the same, 11 versus 11, um, we'll do the best to win. Now the centre back position, there is a lot of um, players looking to, to get minutes in the team. What are your hopes for the rest of the season, are you hoping to break in as a regular starter now? Well, you know, it's uh, it's like an internal competition that we have. We are we have our greatest player, um, but it's it's uh, good for us because we're pushing up the levels. Uh, well, uh, when the coach needs me, I will be ready. But that, I say I'm very comfortable here, very happy, and there is a great group. And are you ready to, to play MLS minutes now, or do you maybe feel you need another couple of games out here? Well, if he, the coach needs me, I, I, we, we're ready. I work every day. I have to make the things that all the medical staff that we care with me, uh, well, all the the guys that we support, uh, the family, all that uh, together with me. Um, well, when the coach needs me, I will be ready. So, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Are you looking forward to seeing Rodriguez in there or would you give Parker the chance to try and establish himself now beside Boston? I don't have a problem with Parker. Um, I think, I think I personally, from the beginning of the season, I thought Rodriguez would be an excellent partner for Watson. Um, I think he'd be good on the ball. Watson can deal with the, the physical nature of being the, in the back four. So I think they, they would play off well each other and it, it kind of gives Kyle a break so we could save him for the rest of the season because there are going to be times when Watson's not going to be available getting that fifth yellow card. And um, he's and, and we're going to need Ka to be fresh for those games. So I think we need Rodriguez to step in as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I've always liked Diego Rodriguez. I, 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 right from the start, I thought he was going to be your number two. Uh, I, I, I do think that Ka has played better than expected. So 
which my expectations were not high to start this season at all. So, you know, if you want to ease Diego in, that's all right. But especially after picking up that booking, uh, Kendall's only one match, one yellow away from getting a one-match suspension. So he'll be, uh, in, in, any, in any manner, you're going to see Diego Rodriguez come in. I don't think Parker is quite ready to, to be your starting centre back. I, th- I think he's played excellent when he's come in. Uh, I still think he needs a little bit of work, probably just to get that consistency. Going forward, I, I'm happy to have him in the squad, but it's going to be Diego Rodriguez. Well, let's just hope anyway that the White Cats can turn their fortunes around pretty soon. We won't talk too much about this, just a very quick thing from both of you. What are you hoping for against Salt Lake on Saturday? How important is it to get this win with a big road trip coming up? And what changes do you think might get made in the team? Changes, um, I don't know, it's hard to say. There's so many changes that could possibly happen. I think they'll stick with the, the lineup that was getting them wins early in the season if everybody's healthy. Um, they'll put together like uh, Rosales, Morales, and Mane behind Rivero um, with the same holding midfield and a similar back line that they've had uh, the, that they have had so far. Yeah, back five, especially with Sam Atakubi still on crutches. We saw him walking around here today. Uh, he, I mean, he's no closer. So your your back five for sure is going to be the same. Ty, I, I expect Tybert to come back in for Kofi as uh, with Lava. Uh, what I could see is that Tachera getting the start over Mane. I, I don't know if he's done enough to, to continue to earn himself. I, I'm the biggest Mane fan. I think he has the most upside of anybody on the on in the club. Uh, but he's just not progressing. He's still not making those decisions, uh, those correct decisions on the ball. And he's getting marked out of the game. And I think Tachera has earned it. And I could see Rosales on the right with Tachera on the left. Uh, and Morales in the middle with Rivero up top. And uh, I, I, I think it's a vital game. I think they need, it's almost like, a, I know it's early in the season, it's almost a must-win because of the road trip. Yeah, it's going to be such a tough slog here with the away, although you would, you'd say their performances have been even better on the road and, uh, than at home at, at times. But, yeah, they, they absolutely have to win, uh, win this one at home. And not only that, everybody, everybody always kind of whines about the use of the, the word must win but but you almost have to say that it is not, not to get into the playoffs but just to get on a bit of a roll and their attack has to start producing some chances they've got to put the ball in the back of the net and I think an early goal is going to be critical because if they're still if they're still playing tight and, and uh, you know the life's getting choked out of the game a little bit towards in the second half you're going to see a bit of a frustrated side, and I think it'll be tough for... I think Salt Lake will be happy to pack it in and, and go for nil-nil or a 1-1 game. Which has kind of been the, the what everybody's the tactics seem to be when they come to BC Place. Yeah, and I, I agree with Jay with what the team's going to be, and I, and I do feel it is kind of a must-win game from the momentum point of view, from the psychological point of view. Long trips, and you've got two games in a week where it's going to be Montreal first and then flying down to LA. I mean, they're killers. They have to get back on track. Let's hope they do it. I just have a funny feeling that they're not, and I see a draw as well. But I think that that's it for this episode of the podcast. Hopefully you've been able to hear us over the noise. It's been a little bit hard for us to kind of hear talking, so hopefully you've been able to hear us. We thought we'd try something a little bit different. We're not going to know if it's worked till we get home and we start to edit it. But anyway, just before we wrap up, guys, just let everyone know where they can find you online. I'm at J underscore Duke on Twitter and writing for AFTN. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff on AFTN, AFTN.ca. And I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. 
So watch out for our next podcast that's coming up at the end of the week. It's our second part of our Canadian Women's National Team special. But until then, so thanks for listening. I hope you've heard us. And more on the caps. And there's still time.